Before we begin this week's show, we want to take a moment to tell you about the NPR One app for your phone. This week, you can find Guy Raz's exclusive interview with TED curator Chris Anderson, where they discuss the TED phenomenon and the secrets to giving a great TED Talk. I think one of those microphones that kind of hooks onto your head. Yeah. That's one of the secrets. It's the first secret? Another secret is uh, you make a pact with uh, a, a demon who helps you get over your stage fright. That's uh, one of the secrets. They talk about this? Yes, the demon gives you the power to go out onto the TED stage with great confidence for that skill. Yeah. After you die, you pay for it uh, by letting that demon tear the flesh from your body and replace it with fire so, for all eternity. So that's the trade-off. Yeah. You give one really good TED talk. Or, well, uh, the power remains... You may have a series of TED talks. You could get maybe a three-part so it could series. go viral. It could be something that millions could, of people watch. Yeah. But then again, for all eternity, wherever you have skin, that'll be that'll be replaced with a fire as hot as the sun. And I can feel it. Oh, yes. Even though I'm dead, I still feel... I can feel the skin being ripped from my body. Yes, by and fire. The, the pain will be uh, will be so enormous that any memory you have of the great TED talk you gave uh-huh. as a living human will be erased from your your mind. Re- really, wow. any any memory will be replaced by just a blinding white light. All I will know then is the feeling of pain as my skin is replaced by fire. All you will be is pain. the 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 very concept of self will have dissolved again for all eternity. You can find their conversation by searching TED Radio on the NPR One app, where you can also find stories from your local station and more great podcasts. NPR One is in your app store now. Hey, Tim, what can we help you with? Well, I had a question about um, you know the, the heat in the summer, and I'm a big CrossFit enthusiast, and you know about five days a week I go to the gym, and it's become a problem in the house that my workout clothes have been banished to a PVC clothes rack on the patio um, that has been dubbed the stink tree. <laughs> Wait, um, who is who has dubbed it the stink tree? My wife has dubbed it the stink tree. Uh-huh. Um, and anything that's on the stink tree is not allowed in the house at any time. And recently it kind of came to a head in that um, I was told that I smelled like an animal, bad, and um, <laughs> that I had to throw away all of my gym apparel and get new stuff because there was old sweat. It's full of old sweat. Mm. Um, and I'm trying to figure out how I can get rid of the stink tree. Um, and by, you know, is there a better way to launder my stuff? Just to be clear, you were told not only do you need that stuff seriously washed, but there is no hope for it. It has to be thrown away. Yes. It, yes. Laundering has no longer you know, got it to where it can come in the house. It has to be thrown away because it's full of old sweat. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, I've got a pretty thorough, you know, I mean, I've used all different kinds of detergent, and still it's it's just not meat and mustard. So she's, we're, we're kind of at an impasse. I mean, do you see uh, your wife's point, or do you think, uh, I mean, are these, uh, to you, are these clothes disgusting? No, no, n- not at all. Um, I, I don't think they are, but I'm trying to, you know, domestic tranquility is uh, very important. So I'm trying to meet her halfway. You know, it, in fact, she won't even let me undress in the house. I have to undress on the patio <laughs> and walk to immediately to the bathroom and shower, and the, and, and the clothes all stay outside until they get until they get washed. 
so you end up because of because of what's going on in your house, you're forced to walk outside naked. Yes, I have to walk from my back patio to the bathroom nude, um, and uh-huh. and and take a shower. Well, I wonder, Tim, how much do you love your wife? Well, I love her a lot. I, I mean, it's. You know, I, I mean, do I have to make a choice between Jim and my wife, or? I I hope not. <laughs> that is a path, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, it's certainly an alternative. But I, man, I, I just no. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go with my with my beautiful bride. But and I would replace all my stuff if I can't do anything about it. But I do love her a lot. Okay. Let Let me ask you this. Just uh, I'm. Let's not commit to this idea, but just let's uh, let's go through the exercise. Walk me through what a typical CrossFit work workout would be like if you were to do it naked. If I were to do a CrossFit, I think it'd be extremely unflattering. Um, okay. You know, some of the stretching, you know, where you're kind of rolled up on your back, on your shoulders, with your legs over your head. Uh huh. Um, yeah, I, I just don't think that would be really socially acceptable. Okay, so the question is, how do we salvage, if it's possible, yes. these these old gym clothes? These old gym clothes and um, potentially save my marriage mm-hmm. and my money. Well, this is, a, this is a great responsibility that you've given us here, but we, uh, I, I feel like we're up to it. We're going to try and help you. Super. It sounds like the stink tree is kind of like, like the anti-Christmas tree. It's the anti-Christmas tree. There's nothing yeah. you want on the stink tr- on the stink There's tree. There's nothing you want. The Grinch would enjoy the stink tree. Okay, so before we help Tim, we want to check in with his wife uh, to get her sense of what's going on with this stink tree. So, so you know, we just got off the phone with Tim, and mm-hmm. uh, he he explained the situation. He claims that the clothing doesn't actually it isn't actually that bad. That it doesn't smell that bad. It's that bad. It's worse than that bad. Tell us about it. You know, do you have a dog? Do you guys have dogs? No. I'm familiar with dogs. Okay, well, when they go outside and they find something really putrid to roll in, and then they come back to you and they're a little bit proud of how bad they smell, Mm. that's Tim. I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if it gets stuck in his clothes, if he keeps re-wearing the same gym clothes, and, like, there's old smell in there, and so then when he works out, there's new smell in there. But I've tried everything. Have you ever heard from anybody else who's noticed how bad Tim smells? At the last gym that he was a member of, Joel, the owner of the gym, said, if you don't get some Under Armour on him, he's not going to be allowed back in here. No way. Whoa. Yeah, it's bad. Um, and it's not him. He doesn't smell all the time, or we wouldn't still be married. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, um, it's just like after we work out, and then it's, it's, it settles in for about 20 minutes, and then it's really bad. Is CrossFit a new discovery in, in his life? No. He, he's been doing it for about four or five years now. Do you remember him before? I, I don't know how long you two have been together. Yes. We've been together for uh, 20 years. Okay. And he played rugby for the Army before. So smell has always been an issue. <laughs> <laughs> like, odor has always been a problem. Like, the very first time I ever went on a date with him, his truck smelled like gym bag and dog. Wow, good for you, Charlene. 20 years. I know, thanks. I feel like your love is strong, you know? It, it survived this odor. Yeah, but now it's being tested by that odor. <laughs> it is. <laughs>
I need you to save my marriage. It's on the brink right now. Yeah. We're going to look into this for you, Charlene, and hopefully uh, we'll come up with something that will make a difference. I would really appreciate that. Thank you. Okay, online with us now is someone who uh, we think is going to be able to help Tim and Charlene. It's Mary Roach. She's been on the show before. She writes books about uh, science stuff. Her latest book is Grunt, and it's all about the U.S. military and um, you know all the science that goes into being a soldier and helping soldiers. Mary's written a lot about sweat and body odor. So, Mary, you heard Tim's situation. What do you think? Okay, well, first of all... Um he should look into, uh, because what happens with sweat, uh, sweat, it, when you're working out, the sweat that you get just from just working out doesn't stink, but if you let it sit around, then bacteria break it down, and then it does start to stink. And so there's antimicrobial fabric, which the military uses, and also you can go and purchase it at any athletic clothing store. I'm sure, I'm sure, but I'm sure he's thought of that. Now, there's another another thing in your book that I thought there might be some help for Tim in. Um, and, and you visited uh, a lab where they're designing and testing um, fabrics, uh, clothing for, for mm-hmm. soldiers. And uh, can you tell us about the launderometer? Yeah. Don't you love that name, the launderometer? Yeah. I love anything with an ometer on the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you put it through the launderometer once, and it's the equivalent of five washings because steel balls bang against the fabric. So it's being washed. It's kind of like what, when they used to when distress denim by putting rocks in. It's kind of like that, only on a more uh, consistent and uh, re- replicable scale. But that's what it is, the launderometer. It, it, it's, uh, it's just making life really hard for the fabric to make sure that the fabric's going to hold up. I'm thinking that if if Tim's clothes smell five times as bad as a normal person's clothes, yeah, then he could launder them in a launderometer. Yes, and get them you know five times cleaner than in another device. Yes, he needs to purchase a launderometer, install it in the home. Not that big, a little pricey. Absolutely, that's that's a solution. Could he could he just grab some marbles, throw them in his own washing machine, and kind of create his own launderometer? He could. He could put. Yeah, he could put ball bearings. He could put uh, marbles, pine cones. Yeah, throw something. Yep, exactly. A mm. homemade do-it-yourself launderometer. So, Mary, you've also talked about using bad smells. Um, maybe, is there a way we could kind of take Tim's odor and maybe come up with a pur- give it a purpose? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He could. This could be. Um, there's a term for a a smell that is so bad that you could use it as a non-lethal weapon. They call it a, a malodorant. And the military has uh, done a tremendous amount of work on malodorants uh, to using them to clear out a, you know, clear out a house, disperse an angry mob, you know, whatever. We need to clear some real estate. These are odors that are so bad that no one can stand to be in the same area with them. So, yes, so Tim's clothing could in fact, be used as a military weapon. Yes. Because we know from talking to Tim's wife, Charlene, that Tim was once told to leave a gym because he was so stinky. See? Yeah. He was clearing the area. He could, they could set up sort of a stink tree, like it sounds like they have in the yard, set one of those up with like three or four weeks worth of Tim's workout gear, and no one will come near. He could store a weapons cache, Secret classified stuff. Oh, Very effective. 
yeah. and that will help fund the divorce lawyers. That <laughs> <laughs> this this makes me think of something else in your book uh, that maybe Tim is actually a victim here. Maybe his clothes don't smell, but he's being sabotaged. You you talk about something from World War II, uh, S liquid. Uh, yeah, stench liquid. Yes, uh, and in the U.S. version was called who me as in it wasn't me i didn't fart yeah um yes it was a um again a non-lethal weapon and in this case uh the idea was to give it to people in occupied countries uh china and france and resistance groups you know motivated citizens could then uh, take this liquid in these little tubes and when they saw a german or japanese officer they would squeeze it and it had a firing range of 10 feet and they, the people who made it guaranteed at least two hours of a lastingly penetrative stink that would emanate from their uniform, from their clothes. So, so Tim, yes, someone might have got hold because there are still some tubes somewhere of who me, of the I, stink. I love the idea of that weapon, too, because it, it wasn't, you know, your target. You weren't trying to make them miserable. You were trying to make other people not like that person. That Yeah, yeah, the military goal was humiliation and rejection. Nobody got hurt. Nobody was killed. It was just, you know, if we can just make these people just break them down, ruin their morale, depress them. And in the end, um, they never deployed this, this particular weapon. They made a number of tubes, and then the bomb was dropped and the war ended. So all of that stench work was for naught. So, Mary, you've written uh, many different books about uh, things that, you know, relationships, uh, science, life stuff. We have Tim who stinks, uh, or at least his clothes do, and we have his wife who is tired of Tim's odor. Do you, can you think of any solution for the two of them for their relationship? Uh, yeah, you know uh, how if you eat a lot of garlic and you, you're concerned that you're going to have garlic breath, you're going to stink really bad. But as long as the people around you eat the same thing, nobody smells anybody. So she needs to perhaps work out really hard and not clean her own clothes. So she too stinks. She may need some assistance in the form of, you know, I can, she could talk to me about getting a little of the, um, the malodorant that I have in my closet. She could apply. So, so that if they both stink and they're both, you know, on the same level, they, they have to have empathy and understanding. They don't really smell each other because they both smell bad. Yeah. So I'm thinking she needs to stink more herself. Oh, that's tough for Charlene. That's a big sacrifice. I, I like the idea of them stinking together because not not only you know uh, does maybe she understand him better, but also they then become so much closer because they are so isolated from <laughs> anyone else. <laughs> that's right. Yes, it's just the two of them. The family that stinks mm-hmm. together stays together. Amen. Well, Mary, thank you so much for helping out Tim and Charlene. Hey, no problem. Good luck, Tim and Charlene. I hope it all works out, and I'm happy to help. Mary Roach's latest book, Grunt, comes out in June. It's now the part of our show where we like to take a moment and thank our sponsors. Support for this podcast and the following message about support for this podcast comes from Wells Fargo. Wells Fargo understands that you work hard to get the most out of life from saving up for college to saving for retirement. There's a lot of things you want to accomplish. Working together, Wells Fargo will take the time to understand what you're trying to achieve to help you reach your financial goals. 
That way, you can care for the people and things that matter most. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash together. Wells Fargo. Together, we'll go far. Support also comes from Casper. They're an online retailer for mattresses. Casper mattresses are American-made and obsessively engineered for comfort. They use two technologies, latex foam and memory foam, to give just the right amount of sink and bounce. And they have a risk-free trial. You can try out your Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and returns. It's outrageous comfort at a polite price. So go to casper.com slash everything to check out their options. And they have a special offer for listeners of this podcast. Use the promo code everything to redeem $50 towards a Casper mattress that works for you. Terms and conditions apply. Hey, Jack, what can we help you with? I was wondering about elevators and uh, how you ride them. It's kind of a basic sounding question, but I mean, it just seems like there's a weird etiquette to riding the elevator. Yeah, and I, I find the time in an elevator with other people to be pretty excruciating socially. Oh, yeah. No, it's like 30 seconds of awkwardness. Yeah. So you ride an elevator. How often do you ride an elevator? Uh, you know, daily. I'm sitting up here on the 30th floor now. I used to never ride elevators, though, since I was on a one-story land, basically. Wow, okay. And so what do you do? What's your standard? How do you operate when you're inside that elevator? Uh, I mean, basically, you'll get on and then press your button and kind of shuffle to the back and don't look at anyone. As weird as that sounds. Let me ask you this. When you get in the elevator and you're by yourself, do you hit that door close button in the hopes that you you won't have to interact with other people? Uh, You know, if there's like someone a long way away and I know I don't want to talk to them, like, you know, your boss or someone when you're trying to sneak out, I Uh, might do that. Yeah. But uh, no, I'm not intentionally trying to keep people off. Okay, you know what we should do is uh, we should go talk to a person who observes elevator conversations all the time. We should we should go talk to an old-timey elevator operator. That's a really good idea. The Fine Arts Building here in Chicago has an old-timey elevator operator. His name is Brian. We're walking into his elevator right now. Well, yeah, so, uh, so you, you mind if we keep a mic on you? Yeah, sure. Okay. So is, it, is this the beginning of your shift now, then? No, I was just coming off a break. Okay. Like I said, my colleague is going home, so I'm kind of resting up because I'm going to be on my own for an hour. And how long have you been doing this? Uh, a little over three and a half years. Do you have any idea like, how many trips a day that is? I don't. A lot. <laughs> Officially, a lot. Unofficially, a lot. You know, Jack, I think maybe one thing you could do in when you're in the elevator is tell the other people some things about elevators that they don't know. That way you have a cool facts and people leave the ride with the new information. Did you know, Jack, that in Singapore, elevators are equipped with UDDs? That's urine detection devices. If somebody pees in an elevator, it sets off an alarm, locks the doors of the elevator, and the person is trapped there until police arrive. I gotta say, it, it's, it's nonstop action in here. And this is Monday. This is the slowest day of the week. I mean, I, I thought maybe there would be some just kind of hanging out, waiting for a call, but it's, this is where you're constantly in motion. You're pretty steady, yeah. Hey, Jack, check this out. Did you know that Hall & Oates met each other while riding on an elevator as they were escaping a gun battle between two gangs? So what you might want to think about, Jack, is that without elevators, this would have never happened. Sarah. 
I wonder, have you ever, have you ever observed a romance beginning in an elevator? Have you heard people flirting and seen it flourish? Uh, yeah, I suppose. Yeah? Yeah. You can just tell people getting to know each other, and then you take them up long enough, and then you see different signs. Maybe they're touching hands or something where, you know, obviously that would be inappropriate six months before that. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, there's a a couple who work in the building in the same shop, and uh, they're getting married later this year. They had the reception right here on this floor. Oh, yeah? Yeah. But he worked here before I even started. She came later, so they didn't know each other, and that, uh, that worked out uh, excellent. Wow. Yeah. Are they going to process up here in the elevator, do you think? <laughs> that I don't know. Um We'll see. Why not? Did you know, Jack, that back in the early days of elevators, people used to get sick? They would complain about nausea because of sudden stops uh, when they were descending. They called this elevator sickness. You can also get elevator sickness if you're bitten by an infected elevator. That's why you should always keep your hands away from the door as it's closing. Want to hear a joke a kid told me? Yeah. Maybe a nine, ten-year-old kid. Evie's leaving one day, and he asked me, what do you get when you cross an elephant with Darth Vader? The answer was, the answer was obvious, an elevator. <laughs> it was cool that he saved that for me, you know, on the job. How many, uh, how many people have you told that joke to? As many as I can, because the only other one I had was people asking me how my day was and me saying, eh, it's been up and down. <laughs> yeah, I only try and use that once a week. That's my quota. I wonder. I wonder if that's maybe the best advice we could have for Jack. Is you know keep a couple couple good jokes in your pocket. You only need one per elevator ride. That's true. Although when you see the same the tenants, the same tenants every day, it's not gonna fly. Gotta freshen up your material. Right. Right. Okay. Here's something, and this is actually something, Jack, that we get a question a lot about. Uh, on our show. According to Yahoo News, 80%, 80% of the closed door buttons, the button that you close the door, 80% of those in elevators are not connected. 80% of them do nothing. They're called placebo buttons. They're just there to make you feel good. Like, you, like make you feel like you're in control. But you're not, Jack. I gotta ask, have you ever been stuck? Uh, it's happened once or twice. Not from driver error, though. <laughs> that does it for today's show. What we learned today, Mike? Well, I don't, I don't know if I learned this. It's more something I observed. So, you know, we record these interviews, and Nadia, our producer, saves the interviews as files and gives them a name. Yep. So we talked to Tim about his uh, stinky clothes. That interview was called Stink Tree. Mm -hmm. We talked to Mary Roach. That interview was called Mary Roach. And we talked to Charlene. Mm -hmm. And this is the part where I'm, I'm, I feel, maybe feel a little bad about. That interview was titled Stink Tree Wife. The, yeah, I think that the, there's a reason that uh, when people say their wedding vows, it's not, um, 
I now pronounce you man instinct tree wife. It's not, it's not, it's not what anyone wants. I mean, stink tree wife sounds like something from Shakespeare. Mm. Like a, the classic character. You know, everybody loves Falstaff. Yeah, but then there's the, the famous stink tree wife, that famous scene in Macbeth. So we're sorry. We're sorry, Charlene. You didn't, you never would have known that if we hadn't said it. Um, but we apologize. Yeah, we, yeah. We, maybe we correct the record. We'll, we'll just call you fragrant tree wife. Oh, it's open for interpretation. Aromatic spouse. Smell bride. How to Do Everything is produced by Nadia Wilson with technical direction from Lorna White. Our intern this week is Andrea. Andrea spent her entire time here applying for other jobs. Uh, so we wish you the best of luck at your next uh, internship or other. And let us know if you need a recommendation. Our artist in residence is Justin Witte. You can send us your questions at howto at npr.org. Our website is howtodoeverything.org. I'm Ian. And I'm Mike. Thanks. Thanks. Well, this week's show is finally done. Uh, we, we made it through together. And uh, because NPR does not want you to just sit in silence, uh, we would like to remind you that one of your favorite NPR podcasts is back. Invisibilia returns with season two on June 17th. Invisibilia explores the invisible forces that shape human behavior. Those forces also known as invisibilias. This season, Invisibilia goes to an oil rig, a McDonald's in Russia, and a beach in New Jersey to explore invisible forces at play in our institutions, work, family, governments. Or invisibilias. You can catch up on season one of Invisibilia anytime. And listen to a preview of season two now at npr.org slash podcasts and on the NPR One app. Where you can also hear Guy Raz interview Chris Anderson, the curator of TED. They'll discuss the TED phenomenon and the secrets to giving a TED Talk. Find their conversation by searching TED Radio on the NPR One app, where you can also find stories from your local station and more great podcasts. Uh, this... This has happened. Uh, we've heard that this kind of thing has happened before. We are uh, we are stuck in a podcast loop. NPR One is on your app store now. Uh, I'm I'm powerless to resist. Uh, Tim, what can we help you with? Well, I had a question about um, you know the, the heat in the summer, and I'm a big CrossFit enthusiast, and you know about five days a week I go to the gym, and it's become a problem in the house that my workout clothes have been banished to a PVC clothes rack in the bathroom.